of the Jim Cornette experience. You didn't know we had seasons. We didn't either. I'm just making this shit up as I go along. We'll explain that and what a week we've had today here on the program and what we're doing here in a minute to join me. Hawaiian Brian, the podcasting lion, the king of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, Mr. Co-host to you, the former vice president of the Bulldog Bob Brown Fan Club, the great Brian Last, everybody. Aloha, Jim. Thank you so much for doing this today on behalf of myself and all the listeners. Uh, although now you put me in a bad mood, associating me with Bulldog Bob Brown. How am I supposed to start only, to show in a good mood now? Only in a joshing fashion, in a jesting manner, just for frivolity's sake. He was ah. somebody's favorite. Isn't that crazy? You know what? There were, there were people in, <laughs> in Kansas possibly anti-M, I think Toto, <laughs> Bulldog Bob Brown was big with Toto. Uh, but anyway, um, so, by the way, we left a cliffhanger at the end of the drive-thru because Stace was still on her cross-country, trying to make her cross-country journey. Well, that ended up successfully Thursday night at midnight at the Louisville airport. She arrived from San Francisco through Dallas. But her bag didn't. The bag didn't get here till Friday afternoon. But at least she got home. Um, and after, I'll have you know, after getting to bed past two in the morning, on Friday morning, I was back at the post office at 8 o'clock a.m., shipped another 90 boxes of action figures to the waiting consumers. And for those of you who've been starting to inquire, you, we've still got about 750 orders to go. And if you're asking, yours is probably amongst them. Although with the post office service situation, some of the stuff I mailed a week ago, even domestically, has not arrived yet. So <clears throat> patience is the key. But a lot of people, a few hundred, as a matter of fact, ordered a, a T-shirt and a autograph picture or a Cult of Cornet membership certificate. And those particular combinations are going to start going out the end of this week because we're almost finished if you ordered figure or figures only and uh so we thank everybody for their kind patience while i've been going through so here's the problem brian let's let the people in on it we've said for the past couple of shows that we've been having internet issues again here at the castle and there's something the matter with the Skype connection, the magical audio situation through where we record these fine programs. And it beleaguered us last week on the experience, and it delayed the drive-through this week, and there was a bunch of shit unplugged and replugged and checked and called for and everything, and we thought that everything was fine because when we did the test, of course, and spoke to each other just inanely about nothing, Everything sounded fine because it's an intermittent problem. There's a ghost, a specter, a, a spook, a goblin, an apparition, a manifestation somewhere in this fucking house with the internet. 
Like your old Memphis tapes, that ghosts. A, a ghost in the machine. Because I believe I've mentioned this when I've cussed the internet before, but over the past, I have had a computer since 2009, right? Stace had one before, but I didn't care whether it worked or not because I didn't have to deal with it. And it seemed to work. But when I got one, Added when I launched the original jimcornet.com and had to start doing email and all that stuff. 2009 has been 12 years of misery. We have had three different cable companies now. They keep getting bought out by somebody else. We've had multiple people from them come out here. We have had electricians. We have had geek squad people. We have had people that built websites. And they have all wired or wired up or installed or uninstalled or put in routers and modems and router modems and models of modems and routers. And I don't even know what I'm fucking talking about. And there's always an issue with the Wi-Fi or the Internet or both or whatever the fuck comes into this house. And, you know, from personal conversation that I've many times said to people. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what you got to do. Fix this shit, right? I've had a, a motto that I've lived by all of my life. When something is broke and it doesn't work right and it's driving me to the verge of violence, I call somebody who's allegedly an expert in the given field of this particular item and I say, come over here and fix this thing where it works right, and I don't have to call anybody else again, or elsewise I'm going to take a baseball bat to it and break it into pieces or throw it off the fucking deck. If you can make it happen to where I don't have to fucking call anybody else to look at this shit, I will pay you however much money you want. $5,000 in small bills in a brown paper bag, I don't care. And it's always worked, except for the internet. Because nobody knows how this shit works. <clears throat> so anyway, we sit down yesterday to record what was going to be a preamble uh, to the uh, catching us up on the AEW television of the week, preamble to full gear. We had some other miscellaneous topics we were going to discuss, and then we're going to come back for the drive through with the report on the big, highly acclaimed pay-per-view and all the stuff that went on over the weekend. And we said, we cannot get through five minutes of audio. I cannot hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. You constantly break it up. And it's fine on your end. We can record, the recording is fine, whatever. So it's obviously on my end. Now at least Stacy is home. So there can be a test run. What are those tests about the speeds of the thing? What do they call them? An internet speed test. Well, that's pretty appropriate then, isn't it? Well, I didn't know there was such a goddamn thing. I assume that, again, since I've told my cable and internet provider, Spectrum, to give me all the internet they got and I'll pay for it, I assumed I was getting all the internet I'm supposed to get. I'm supposed to have five Gs of internet, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. So she runs this test and she's talking to you and I got Hotchkiss on the other line and we got all this goddamn communication going on. And apparently, I had 200 bytes of download and 13 bytes of upload. And you said that sucked pond water. Because you had 900 bytes of upload 
and 700 bytes of download. And again, you're supposed to be on a wired 5G connection. Yes, whatever whatever that's supposed to mean. But we found out that I don't I ain't getting all my 5Gs. I don't I don't I, I'm not even getting 2Gs. I don't feel 2 grand, much less 5 grand. But anyway, so then begins a process. Now, you, you, when you call the cable company, of course, they don't know what the fuck to do over the phone. So they're going to send somebody out on Thursday. And then begins another process of changing all these routers and modems. I had a thing up here that's white that blinked. Uh, what well, didn't blink. It had a blue light on it, but now it has a red light on it because it's been unplugged. And I said, well, why was it here in the first place? Because something else was going on then. So anyway, a bunch of shit has been reshuffled, and now, even though I've been doing most of the talking, apparently we've got something that will work for now so that we can record a program and get it to the people who have been so anxiously awake. Can you tell that I'm on the verge of a psychotic incident, Brian Last, right now? Yes, I've been able to tell for the last few hours. <laughs> so anyway, so then what we do is we decide... Yesterday, which was Saturday, the 13th, how apropos, that by the time all this foisted around and checking of internet and unplugging of cables and rerouting of routers and remoting of motors or modems or whatever the fuck they are, had been done, that goddamn now it's, the pay-per-view is going to come on in just a few hours. So we will just wait, and early on Sunday morning, we will record a, a massive edition of this fine podcast, the people have become to depend on for their entertainment and their information, their edification, education, and enlightenment. We do a big one, including the pay-per-view. So what I did was, like I always do, Brian, I went to my trusty cable box and my cable remote in my TV room because even though the internet is a constant source of aggravation, frustration, and apprehension for me, my cable TV always works. That's why I keep it around, because it reminds me of the old days, before we'd all lost our minds and invented all this shit we don't know how to work. And I click on the pay-per-view, and I click on order pay-per-view, and I click on buy pay-per-view, and I click on record pay-per-view. And everything looks fine. And of course, that pay-per-view came on at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on a Saturday night. And as we all know, that thing's going to last for four fucking hours. So there's no way that I can watch this thing live in any kind of decent mood after the day I've had. And besides that, as we all know, when I was up the other night to pick Stace up at the airport, that's the first time I've been awake past 1030 in the evening Eastern Time in a very long time. And it makes me grumpy the next day. So, I'm going to have me a little bit of dinner. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to lay my weary bones down, get a good night's sleep, and approach the pay-per-view the following morning with an open heart and an open mind and report on the happenings that we're going to record the program immediately afterwards. That was the plan, Brian, was it not? That was indeed the most recent plan as of that moment. As of that moment, but this is a fluid situation because about 8.15 or 8.20, I went downstairs in the kitchen to get my milk and cookies before bed. 
a little warm milk, and a white chocolate-covered Oreo, or five, will make you sleep like a baby. And I glance through the doorway into the TV room, and I see that there's no red light on the DVR going, indicating that this fiasco that I've just purchased for $50 is recording so that I can watch it. And immediately I turn the TV, I turn all the shit on, and I they've sold me a black screen. There's nothing going on and nothing's being recorded. I hit the guide and it says AEW Full Gear Pay-Per-View. Would you like to purchase? Yes, purchase. Record. Gives me a screen. It says for ordering info, press info. I hit info. It gives me the thing. Yes, I want to buy it. Boom. There's the dollar sign. Yes, I want to record it. There's the red light. Boom. Gives me a screen. Says for ordering info, I'm stuck in a loop again. How do these loops find me? So I'm trying as best I can to spend $50 on a four-hour journey through hysteria that I wouldn't watch at gunpoint, except there's hundreds of thousands of people not only waiting to hear what I think about it, but that are going to condemn you and me to the fiery pits of hell and say horrible things about our ancestors if we're even late with it. And I'm getting a black screen. So I call you, of course, because why not spread the misery? And I say, I got nothing. What the fuck? And you're watching it on what the, the bleacher seats. You're watching it on the interwebs on your bleacher seats. I was watching it on Bleacher Report. I had it on my computer. I was streaming it onto my TV. It was in the middle of the FTR Lucha Brothers match, and I saw the name on the caller ID, and I said, this can't be good, because you never call that late. Well, no, because I'm in bed where most people ought to be at that time of night, for heaven's sake, instead of getting out and causing trouble. Anyway, so... I said, what's it? It's on the Bleacher Report. Yes. BleacherReport.com. You said, I'll send you a link to the, to the page where you can order the thing. And I said, fine, I'll order it first thing in the morning because I'm, I'm up at 7 o'clock because it's daylight around 7 o'clock these parts these days. So I go to bed frustrated again at the thought that I'm going to have to deal with the Internet and with Skype, and now I'm going to have to, instead of watching this did I mention the word marathon? I should dig into my synonyms and antonyms for another another word for something that lasts forever. I'm going to have to watch this not on my 72-inch TV in the in the TV room with my you know nice you know fast forward and reverse and pause and etc. right next to the kitchen where I can get a drink. I'm going to have to watch it on my computer screen. Up in the office here. I'm already pissed about that. So I get up this morning. I get my pad. I get my Cornets Collectibles souvenir pins from that I get from the National Pin Company. And I get a nice cold Sprite Zero, and I sit down about 8 a.m. this morning to go to Bleacher Report with my credit card in hand, trying again to give these people... Another $50 of my money. You know what it said, Brian? It said, fucking events over with, replay will be up soon. What? How? And then you read the fine print. Yeah, the replay is up about 24 hours after the 
fucking incident. Son of a bitch. Did I mention that every time I inter- interact with the internet, I want to shoot myself in the fucking face? So now I call you again. Hey, I can't watch this thing. What are we going to do now? You Well, and I won't give all of the details, but suffice it to say that since I had already tried to give this wrestling promotion and its affiliated cable providers a hundred dollars of my money to watch this and i've been turned away we instead went to nefarious and potentially black market means of getting this programming so that we could watch it and bring our thoughts to the people so i obtained a link through person or persons unknown Possibly they're known to someone, but just not named at this point. (laughs) And apparently because it's a big fucking file of shit, it's still in the process of being processed when it's sent to me and I'm I'm waiting. Oh, it'll be, it'll be any old time. Just any old time. I check back in half an hour, check back in an hour. Check back. It's still uploading the downloading the, the the process that it's going through, whatever that may be. Let me just jump into for the record. This entire time, we're also checking Bleacher Report. We still can't purchase the fucking replay. On no, Bleacher can't get my. Hey, Bleacher Report CEO, mother, I'll give you five hundred dollars right now. Just send me a link to that. No, that it doesn't work. So anyway. So while this thing is loading, then the Monroe brothers come over because they had to haul some stuff off and, and put the new pedestals underneath my washer and dryer. So I'm out there in the cold and the rain. And then I come out, I tell Stace, I said, this thing won't come through. And so she gets out her telephone and a laptop and something that, that alleges streams somehow to her TV and her chick cave slash art studio. And she said, well, I'm downloading the thing of the Google of the crankshaft, and then I'll send it to your computer. How will you do that? Well, and then she started to tell me, and then I wanted to start shooting myself in the fucking face again. So anyway, about 30 minutes later, she shot it right up to my computer where now... We are doing this program so that we can catch up to the point where the pay-per-view happens. I sound I sound like I'm a I'm Jackie Gleason setting up a bit here. I, I hear you as an angry Gordon Soley. Well, possibly an angry <laughs> Gordon Soley. And the knee across the motherfucker's for prefrontal lobe. We're getting close to the goddamn pay-per-view. All 42 of the movable vertebrae in this cocksucker's neck. Anyway, so what we're doing now is since the Skype seems to be working, we're recording a program to fulfill the obligations of bringing everyone up to date on what happened before the pay-per-view and what's happened with our programming schedule over the last few days. We're going to do this program, and then we're going to break, and this program's going to go up, and I'm going to go back to my computer and watch the much-acclaimed 
pay-per-view from last night. And then in about fucking 14 hours from now, we're going to, you and I are going to reconvene back here and we're going to record the conclusions and, and, and viewpoints on the pay-per-view and anything else that has occurred as fallout and anything, as I mentioned, if the WWE ever does anything, anybody wants to hear or see again, <laughs> we'll talk about that. And then we should be up to date on our programming commitments on the things that we've told the, the listeners that we were going to do. And then this coming week on Thursday, there's a, an internet summit meeting scheduled to take place here at Castle Cornet involving a representative of the internet company. Hopefully he's not like the last one that came out a month or two ago about the sloppy Wi-Fi in the West wing. Um, cause he was 12 years old and looked like his mother had just dropped him off to, for school. Uh, but there's going to be an internet guy out here. Hotchkiss is going to be here on, on premises, uh, to lend his expertise Stacy's going to be here to show them where over the years, all of the various people that have monkeyed with this have put in wires and cables and view the equipment and measure the aforesaid signals. And I'm going to be here to dangle a large cash prize in front of this peanut headed motherfucker. They're sending out here. If he can possibly fix this. So I don't ever have to deal with it ever again. And I'll, I'll bonus him if he doesn't tell me how he did it so that I will not again have the sudden and uncontrollable urge to shoot myself in the fucking face. <clears throat> but on a more positive note, the, the Sprite can shortage has been temporarily alleviated. Did you hear about this? I have not heard any. Well, I haven't had time to tell you yet because we've been foisting around about this shit for the past three days. I went in the store the other day. I won't even go into the line at the pharmacy with people not wearing masks to line up and get sick people lining up to get medicine and not wearing masks. But the Coke guy was there. My Coke dealer at the local grocery store was there and he was putting the stuff out. And I said, wait a minute. Do I see 12 packs of 16-ounce cans of Sprite Zero? He said, why, yes, good sir, you indeed do. I said, don't bother sliding those onto that shelf. Just set them right here in this cart. And he had 12 12 packs, and I got them, plus four eight-packs of 16-ounce bottles, the plastic bottles. And he said, well, enjoy it while you can, because this uh, they may not be here again for a while. What what the fuck? Well, supply issues. But they've got every other kind of soft drink that they, they sell in the Coca-Cola line, but just the one that I want. But I got some right now, by God. But I do want to thank Aiden Ortiz, one of the members of the Cult of Cornet that sent me two special double insulated mugs for when I, I'm living like a savage and have to drink it out of a two liter, uh, it'll keep it cold longer without having to put the ice in that dilutes the formula and gives you cat piss. Do you know this guy who sent it to you? Never met him in my life. How do you know it's not lined with poison? 
It's, it's in a goddamn box from Amazon. You pray he didn't fucking box it up and send it to you. Okay. ordered it for I me. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm looking out for nice you. Nice little goddamn looking out for note you. in there from Aiden Ortiz. Hope you enjoy this. But next time you have to live like a savage and drink Sprite out of the two liters, it'll keep it cold. It's not like he made these in pottery class and fucking boxed them up himself. What kind of fans do you think we have brian <laughs> I don't know. we get can you tell i just want to just be a goddamn complete asshole today and not dwell on any business i could tell or poison yeah i feel so frustrated i feel powerless because i do not understand normally if somebody tells me what's wrong with something, I can understand it. I'm not a doctor, but if somebody says, well, your arteries are clogged up, I can understand that. Or I'm not a mechanic, but if the guy says, well, your framostat blew a fucking conniption hinge, well, I can fucking understand that. But this shit, they're telling me what might or might not be. I don't even know how this shit works and what's plugged into what. It's all a mystery to me, so it's very frustrating. You know, but if you want to get on the internet, now would be a good time to get on the internet uh, to jimcornet.com and click on the banner on the front page to bid on my Wrestling All-Stars trading cards from Heritage Auctions because the auction ends this coming Thursday, November the 18th. I believe it's in the evening time Eastern, but you're, you're going to have to go and check to make sure. If you want to get a bid in, you got a few more days. Uh, jimcornet.com click on the banner and it will take you to the actual listing of the cards but the rare the sought after high grade my own personal collection owned it for 40 years cinderella story out of nowhere this is your chance now to own a piece of my history as well as wrestling history with the hulk hogan and the andre cards and all the other stuff out of nowhere otherwise known as mankato minnesota <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> boy, I, I, interchangeable. I had it right both ways. <laughs> you know, that's a, I feel it, it, this again, folks, I'm talking to you directly here. It's just us. We're friends now. I'm so goddamn verklempt about this thing because when I used to not give a shit because nobody was listening to this program, I just, oh, fuck, we'll just skip a week, right? Because what the fuck, right? We're just doing it for fun. But now, as you often remind me, Brian, of the amount of people that are listening to the program, I get the Twitter feedback. When's the experience coming out? When's the drive through coming out? Oh, God, they fucked up their schedule again. Oh, we can't wait to hear this. We're ruining people's schedules. We're, we're not conducive to en them enjoying their lives when we're late with shows. And I, I, I get anxiety because I feel responsibility. And again... It's not like I'm trying to half-ass this shit or get some kind of discount $5 fucking internet router or whatever. We are screaming at people to come and take our money to fix this, and there's always some kind of issue. And it's been, and I think now the problem has become that so many people have wired so much shit and set so much stuff up that we need to just back up disconnect everything and start from the pole outside. And that's what we're going to do on Thursday. But I saw a commercial on TV here the other day. Have you said it's one of the medicine commercials where they, they identify a problem that apparently many people have, and they show the person 
their their daily life being interrupted by this problem, whether it's projectile diarrhea or hooping belch or whatever. And then they suggest the medication that can solve the issue. And then the close of the commercial is the person coming back and smiling and having happy times with their friends doing their activity they were going to do before they were on the verge of yeah, shitting blood out their ears or something. Right? Yeah, now, so, they're, now they're horse riding on a beach. Yeah, now they're horse riding on a beach and, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? So this commercial for whatever, I don't even remember what the ailment was. It's probably something to do with irritable bowels. That's usually when people get that uh-oh face and the girl in the band leaves the bus and they're all waiting for her, whatever. But this is, <laughs> I know which commercial you're yeah, talking you've about seen now. That, yeah. yeah, she's shitting her brains out inside and they're all going, we have no vocalist. The other thing, if you ever see that commercial, watch the scenes they show of her on stage. Every scene she's just, if she's actually singing, she's just going, ah! Like they never show her actually yeah, saying no any words. She's uncontrollably <laughs> shitting herself. She's she's probably fucking pulled her purse string around her her sphincter and and it won't stay tight anymore. The rest of the band is so happy to see her when she actually shows yeah. up. They're wondering if she's going to show up. They're on stage. Like, is she going to be? We know she's backstage. Yeah. Is she going to show up? And there she is, just a nice young lady, happy to be there. <laughs> Well, this commercial that I saw was a different one, and it hit closer to home here with all the problems we've been having to get in the show out because apparently it's two two young ladies, I would say girls, but that would be sad, two young ladies that do a podcast. And the commercial starts out, and you see they're going into, they're opening a garage door in a nice suburban Midwestern subdivision-like garage, maybe a detached garage. Maybe they open the garage door. It's probably in the and valley. Inside this garage, Brian, I'll have you know, and I just felt completely ashamed for a variety of reasons. Inside this garage, they have not only their podcast set up, but they're they're on the cutting edge. They're doing video too. So they have a set. They have a living room set. They have a logo sign in the background. They have lighting, special lighting. They have all the furniture is is uh, looks like it's all uh, what's the word I'm saying it all matches it's all in a set and the com it's color coded and they've got the these hang down microphone look I've been in radio stations in New York City that didn't have the audio setup it looks like they've got in their garage I've I've done television productions in the past of many times as everyone knows so I can tell you that they it, they've got a $10,000 set budget in their fucking garage for these two young ladies to do their podcast, the Ethel and Gladys show. That's what, whatever their names are. It's the Ethel and Gladys show. And then one, one girl has to jump up and go take care of whatever the issue is that this medication is supposed to prevent. <laughs> and when she, and then, and then she comes back and she sits down and there they're talking. And then they're sharing a cup of hot cacao on the, on the porch later that night, smiling at each other because apparently her bladder didn't fall out of her, her uterus or whatever <laughs> was going to happen to her. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is <laughs> it's just tidget plop. It just boom right out. And then you got to get a spatula and scoop that thing oh, up. Oh, come on, come on. There. But anyway, the point I'm making is that they've got this $10,000 set and this high priced audio equipment and it's color coded and it's lit and it's all in their garage i'm here 
in a 5,000 plus square foot home willing to spend any amount of money not to have to go through this mental strife. And here we are doing a show that hundreds of thousands of people are going to listen to. As Guy Coffey used to say in Memphis, we're running a million dollar business like a goddamn flea market. Here we are. It reminds me of Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon, you and me, when they would be doing some bit and and they wearing a ridiculous outfit or Johnny Carson with a fucking ferret on top of his head shitting on him or whatever, they would say to here we are, two grown men, graduates of major universities. But yet here we are. Well, Brian, I don't know about you. I didn't graduate a major university, but here we are. I graduated Nassau Community College, and the only thing I was really major in is there were just major babes all over campus. Major babes? Oh, yeah. Nassau County? Nassau Community no, College? No, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying. Plus, Hofstra was right there. Women. Adelphi was down the road. It was just party time. No, you've missed the point of my major babes with the shake of my head that you can't see, because unlike Gladys and Ethel, we don't do video, but... I'm not saying I'm not denying that there might have been attractive women there on the on the premises. I'm saying that you just uttered the phrase major babes. Have you been watching too much AEW? You're starting <laughs> to pick up potential lingo that their supporters might use in public. Major babes. It's a good character name. Someone should use that. No, shit stain already tried. No, he had major guns. Major guns? Well, it was only a step away to major guns to major babes. I, they, they ought to have major bed and then lie in it. <laughs> All right. Where and are by we? The, also, <laughs> my, I'm trying to look out the window to see if my the Amazon truck should be here anytime. I ordered a, a, a new thing that may help the internet set up for when the guy comes on Thursday. It's a cordless extension cord. And that that eliminates a lot of problems that you might have with uh, with all these things. Have you got one? A cordless extension cord? I yes. don't. But for the record, maybe this will the rage now. Maybe this will make you feel a little better about this because you like things that come from the past. The whole idea of Wi-Fi, of signals in the sky landing. You know, Edison was thinking about things like this. Over a hundred years ago. So this isn't a new concept. It's just they finally have figured out a way to if it was Edison do it. If it was Edison doing it right now, he would have figured out a way to make it work. Did you see General Electric? Is His light split. bulbs still work. General, General Electric did what? General Electric. They're about to split the stock. I say General Electric. I think of Edison because originally it was Edison General Electric and then he got screwed out of the company. They're going to split the company up. Who gets custody of, of the light bulbs? Uh, Johnson & Johnson's about to split also. Wait a minute. You mean it'll just be Johnson? It'll just, <laughs> you know, it's not that simple, unfortunately. But it's No, simple. wait, but what? Now, here, this is going to cause confusion in the marketplace. If there you were got two Johnson baby powder and Johnson baby shampoo and Johnson band-aids, you won't know which Johnson to ascribe the particular product to, and you're going to have to go around and ask every Johnson you find, if uh, if you need his Johnson. Oh, one of them. Just one of them has to license. It doesn't have to call me Johnson. Like that could be <laughs> <laughs> for one of them. That could be what separates it from the pack. <clears throat> Thank you, Raymond J. Um, but it, where did we, when we were talking, what were we talking about? There? Oh, the light bulbs, the light bulbs, the light every bulbs. light bulb that Edison made still works. 
Well, I don't know if that's a fact. If he, if he made it personally, it's still where I bet you. He didn't make any I, of them personally. I mean, he had a whole crew. We had a light bulb when I was a kid here on the back, the by the back door down off the bar, a light there. And that bulb stayed in there. And that bulb was never changed for 30 years. How often was it used? Very rarely, but still. But 30 years is 30 impressive. years. That's incredible. But I mean, wintertime, you're going out to the wood pile to get some wood for the fireplace, turn the light on, whatever the case may be. 30 years or more, that light bulb was not changed. I'll have you. They used to make things last that were that served their purpose and fulfilled their function. And you didn't have to replace it every six months or a year. How long did the next bulb last? Oh, after that, it's been complete shit. Speaking of complete shit, <laughs> before we go any yeah, we're further, in the middle of it. Yes. Well, yeah, I was about to say. Speaking of it, uh, has the WWE done anything over the last week since we did the last experience that anybody gives a shit about, except for potentially maybe we'll see Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns again? Yeah, nothing. It seems like lately the only things you hear out of WWE that people buzz about are who's cut or whose contract is about to come up. Yeah. And I don't consider firing people as doing something as a, as an entertainment company that people give a shit about and are talking about. I think it ought to be something to do with the product itself. Don't you think? Yeah. But nobody wants to watch NXT anymore, except if Braun Breaker has a match. Uh, you know, raw has been abysmal for so long. Smackdown, the Haynes and Haynes and Raymond. <laughs> or Reigns and Heyman show. That'll be their names in AEW. Haynes and Raymond. Yeah, hey, here, here comes Haynes <laughs> and Raymond. Um, you know, except when they get on to give a clinic and doing something, everything it's just blasé. And it, AEW, at least there, there's either something to praise or something more often something to make fun of. But again, the the buzz is turning in there. They lost a little buzz. They they got buzz killed after their big debuts when all the ratings went back again. But the WWE has not managed to do anything to capitalize on that except piss their fans off further with firing many of their favorite wrestlers in the middle of the most profitable period they've ever had since they've been in business. Um, So now at AEW again has people go, ooh, the pay-per-view, and ooh, here come by the Jay Lethal. By the way, we've heard, congratulations, hold on. Tony, you did something right for once. Hey, congratulating Tony? Congratulate Jay Lethal. Yeah, Tony. No, I don't need to congratulate Jay Lethal. He deserves it. Actually, he deserves better. But I congratulate Tony for figuring out that Jay Lethal was available and he could sign him up. Um, He's been, uh, for for years, Jay Lethal has been an untapped resource. That's I know he's he's been in Ring of Honor and been happy and contractually committed there, but you know I've always uh, thought that he deserved a top spot where the most people could see what he can do while he still can. So, um, can we talk about that for one second? Go ahead. With him going there, what does that tell you? Because we talked about everyone saying Ring of Honor shutting down Ring of Honor's so far insisting that they're not, they're just changing their business model. But the fact that Jay Lethal is there, what does that tell you? And 
Who's the next? I mean, who's the next person at AEW should grab if they're available? Is it the Briscoes? Absolutely. Um, well, first off, what it tells me, it doesn't tell me that Ring of Honor is not going to restart. It tells me that Ring of Honor is going to honor the word that they've already given out that they're not going to honor. They're not going to give contracts. They're not going to offer contracts to guys. They're going to book people who are available, apparently. That's the way I took what they announced. And Jay Lethal's got options and is too good to sit around and, and just be booked on the sperm of the moment every so often. He obviously, um, you know, is he, I'm not saying that he's, uh, had issues with ring of honor. Hasn't, I don't know I haven't talked to him in ages and don't know what their situation is. I would assume that he's been there for so long. He feels some loyalty to the company, but that doesn't mean that if there's somebody over here on national television that's going to offer you a full-time contract, that that loyalty should extend to, no, I'm good until, you know, next March when they restart. So I don't blame him for taking it at all. There's, They can't sign everybody. There's still, I'm sure, going to be uh, a number of Ring of Honor guys available, and I would assume they want to stick with the thing to see where it's going. But, you know, if if... AEW could get Jay Lethal and Mark and Jay Briscoe. Holy shit. Then you've you've got again tons of because let's hope Kyle O'Reilly's coming. Bobby Fish and and uh Adam Cole are already there. And uh, please, God, if we could get O'Reilly and Strong to get Cole away from oh. his children. Well, let me stop you right there. I heard, and I gotta double check this because it was in the middle of all the chaos we had with recording. Someone told me the report is that Roddy Strong has re-signed. What? Which shocked me. Uh. Unless there's heat with him and the Bucks, I don't know why he would re-sign there. Well, we'll see how that plays. We'll, we're going to try to verify, confirm, or delve into more details on that, because that hurts my heart. But at le- if if we could get Fish and O'Reilly to give Adam Cole... Uh, a group of his own to where he could get away from the children and would be watchable again. That would be lovely. But point I'm making and the point I was building up to on all this is again, AEW doing a bunch of things people are happy about and people are reacting positively to, and the WWE spent a week not doing any of that. Where do you, where is triple H is, 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 Oh, come on now. Who? I don't. I don't know where. Is, I mean, he's at. Where does he live these days? He's at home. I'm. Sh- I'm sure recuperating. He has not been back to work or made public comment. Does he live up in New Hampshire on, on an estate somewhere up there? I believe I've heard. Well, I think he lives with his wife, and I think they're in Connecticut, aren't they? Well, he's from New Hampshire. I. Th- I had heard that they had a place in New Hampshire. I'm sure they have, you know, a summer home in Connecticut, or you know, some place they stop in. Vince had a. Vince had that goddamn giant mansion that I used to go to in Stamford. And then when he went public and they became all billionaires and everything, I guess he had a big apartment in Manhattan too, just so he wouldn't have to drive that extra 30 miles. Yeah. A lot of executives do that though. But geez, how many, how many beds can you sleep in at the same time? That's how many homes you need. But anyway, um, if triple H is home resting, recuperating, we hope he's doing well. But I'm just starting to think as the reason why we haven't heard from him, because we heard from him when he first got out of the hospital. It's not like he's not ambulatory. He's not in a medically induced coma. 
he's able to, I would think, communicate, even use sign language from his bedside or whatever. The, we have not been told that he's in that bad of a health. So is the question I'm asking basically then is Triple H, the man who came to dinner, Monty Woolley, 1942, co-starring Betty Davis. Google it, kids. Fantastic movie. But is he, I'll, I'll bring it up to a more modern wrestling simile, is he being Bret Hart? Is he leaving to go do something and letting his replacement, in that case, Shawn Michaels, self-destruct so he can come back and straighten things out? Or as Dick Murdoch used to say to his tag team partners, you start. And when you fuck it up bad enough, tag me in, I'll straighten it out. So as he's sitting there, I wonder, going, well, I just don't feel too good today. We'll see what Bruce and Johnny are going to do for Vince. And when it gets bad enough, then he will, he'll make the comeback. You think that's it? No, because I think it's bad enough in a lot of different <laughs> ways. Both what we see and what we don't see on camera. Uh, behind the scenes. I think it's really bad right now. And I think he's in a bad position because he had a reputation with a lot of the talent for several years as being kind of like the independent godfather of some sorts where he signed up everyone and he would get his picture with them and they'd have their property of Triple H t-shirt or property of uh, NXT or WWE, yeah. whatever it was. Property of Triple H. Property of That's what it was, though. He, was, he yeah. wasn't compiling a fucking slave force to build a pyramid and you know over several years you had a lot of guys that were and girls guys and girls is that proper guys and ladies i don't even know what's the proper thing anymore well but actually if, if, if girls follows guys then i think that's i think so right it's okay because it's the it's the equivalent yes you men and women gentlemen ladies guys girls it works you had a lot of them in nxt who were used really well and it was great stuff and those takeovers were must watch and then one by one, almost every single one, with the exception of a few like Charlotte or whoever, would go to the main roster and nothing would happen. And I've heard from some of them in the past, the frustrations with Triple H. Where's Triple H? I was his guy. Where is he now? So, I mean, he already had that. And now everyone who he would have been preying on for a WWE contract is looking at AEW. And now he doesn't even have NXT. Because this isn't his direction. Even if he was running it right now, you know he doesn't want that lighting scheme and that look and that whole thing. There's nothing about that that says Triple H. And then look at what's going on. We know what we hear. And we know what we know about Vince. That's very deep. We we know what we know. Without we, it should be we hear what we hear and we know what we know. Rather, we know what we hear and we know what we know. We know things, and we also know who Vince is surrounding <laughs> himself know, with. We know things. Loud noises. We know things. I think right now would be a very difficult period of time to be Triple H. If you were expecting for years and years and years that you and your wife would be taking over, and it would be some sort of seamless transition whenever that was going to happen, that's completely out the window now. And instead, it's Bruce Pritchard and his wife, John Laurinaitis. <laughs> That's right. Son of a gun. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? What an ugly couple. My son, Bruce. My son, Bruce, won the pony. <laughs> ah, you know, what, do you think? Um, what do you think Triple H is going through? I, I mean, it, again, he can't be happy, as you mentioned, because all of the 
the things that he did is the exact opposite of what they're doing now to revamp what they thought was wrong with the show. And unfortunately, what they what they've revamped was everything that was right with the show and they've revamped nothing that was wrong with the show. It's just all gotten worse. So I, I, you know, and again, they, they had the oldest skewing audience because it was the only show that approximated what used to be professional wrestling. And, but they, they're going to have a, a long road to hoe as mama Cornette used to say, just getting 18 year old guys to watch the show just because they're pushing three pretty girls. You want to know what I really think Triple H is thinking right now? Honestly, he's got lots of money. His wife is still a McMahon. I think he's thinking at this point, I wish me and Sean could find an angel <laughs> to back us and we could have our own thing. I think that's what he's really thinking. I don't I don't I don't know if I'd I'd uh, hang my hat on Sean Michaels' work ethic at starting something from scratch and going through that at this point in his life. I just think wherever Triple H goes, he's going to try to bring his his little buddy. But I, I think Triple H may see the writing on the wall. There may not be much of a future in WWE. It depends. Forget, we're dealing with right now crazy Vince and the in, most inept stooges of the ones available. We're not even talking about when the company's sold. We're not even talking about when it's fucking Brian Roberts at Comcast or one of these people. It's going to be a Turner Light. It's going to be a disaster. Well, it it's already sounds I mean, when you when you listen to Tony Khan and he knows all of the business buzzwords and the metrics and the platforms and all that stuff, but they their idea of going for younger people with no wrestling experience and then training them, it's that's the same thing they were kind of going to do 20 years ago when we started developmental, except that they fortunately realized that you couldn't find that many people that had never wanted to be a wrestler before. And suddenly, because you offered them money and they decided to train to be a wrestler, there was only one problem with that. Most of them didn't turn out to be any good at it. The people that wanted to be wrestlers and that knew something about wrestling and or had some level of interest in it generally turned out to be the best workers. Now, there's obviously exceptions to that rule when you come up with a high-level athlete that's trainable, et cetera, et cetera. But it takes... Then they're talking about 60-day review periods. The biggest problem is going to be when the other con, Nick Con, or whoever takes over, thinks that you can just trained to do something like this because you can learn how to do the moves and that's so simple <laughs> in their minds you still ain't going to have anybody that can work because you're not going to have anybody with any level of experience and repetition in front of people and learning and different opponents and different styles and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy of more good-looking athletic people doing moves to each other for no reason, and it's not in a very compelling fashion because that's what you get with green, non-wrestling fan, athletic fucking trainees. Moves. But they don't know the difference. at the. And here's the... I mean, 
good Lord, it's not like that you would think that business people from another, completely another realm, not wrestling, would come in, but at a high level of business, would come in and not recognize that maybe Vince has lost a fucking hitch in his get-along or two, and or, you know, you've got Bruce and Johnny to uh, shepherd them through any understanding of the inside of the wrestling business and what training is like and how long it should take to produce results. And if those people that are a resource for the businessmen are telling those businessmen what they want to fucking hear, there you go. You can't learn how to do this from scratch in six months or a year, or a year and a half or whatever. And you, to do it at all, you usually need some level of interest in the product to begin with. So you're halfway know what it's supposed to look like. So I think we're going to end up with a touring holiday on ice. Well, look at the brilliant acrobats that come out now and they're wearing ice skates and they whatever. Are the greatest and the, athletes in the world. Come yes. see them live. And it's nothing related to wrestling and it's, you know, just something to see for kids or whatever the fuck, but there's going to be no emotion or passion in this. The the talent may try to put some in it, but it's going to be a, it, even more than it is already right now, it's going to be a polished, big time, big money performance of something that comes to town once a year or you can watch it on television. There's going to be no professional wrestling involved by the time they get finished with this. You know, you asked before about what Triple H is doing. I think I do have an idea about what he's been doing. From what I understand, and I guess this is like in preparation for life after WWE, he's added a fourth H to his H's. So now he's quadruple H, and the reason being, in this time off, he has just loved laying down on his Helix sleep mattress. You know, that's what I've heard as well, because now it's Hunter Hearst Helmsley's Helix. And you, folks, you can sleep on the same thing that Triple H is sleeping on. Not Stephanie McMahon, well, but a Helix mattress. What the, now? For the record, we don't know that he's sleeping on it. We should clarify, we have no idea what in real life Paul Levesque sleeps on. Well, they can take it up with Stephen P. New. I'm, I'll send him one, and that way we know he sleeps on it. Because, you know, you can send these things... Easy as pie as gifts because they come in a box that even one person can manipulate and operate. Folks, the Helix sleep mattresses are awesome. We've said this so many times. If you think that a, a nice cup of warm milk and a white chocolate fudge-covered Oreo makes you sleep, if you lay down on a Helix sleep mattress and do that, you're going to be in blissful slumberland. And did you know now... Brian, reading some of the information that they, they give, Helix even has mattresses with specialized cooling technology. If you and your significant other, family member, whatever, can't agree on the temperature of the thermostat, this way, if it's a little warm, the mattress cools you off as you sleep. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, You don't have to go to a mattress store and lay down on a flea-bitten mattress that a bunch of other people have tried out with their trashy selves. And you don't have to get pitched by, by the sales associate trying to get whatever he wants to get out of his storeroom in your house. This way, you go to helixsleep.com and you take a quiz. It takes about two minutes. They ask you how you like to sleep, on your side, on your back, the uh, temperatures you like, soft, medium, firm. 
You take the quiz, they match you up with their best mattress for your specifications, and you order it, and it comes right to the house, and the unboxing, as we said, is magical. You don't need to take my word for it. They were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and by GQ and Wired Magazine. I didn't know Wired Magazine rated mattresses. It seems like if you're wired, you'd almost never go to sleep. At least that was my experience with people back in the 80s. But nevertheless, Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and also quite a few massage therapists that I know who will rub you the right way. Just go to helixsleep.com slash JCE, take the quiz, get the mattress, and they've got a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will even pick it up for you if you don't love it. If you don't love it, there's something wrong with you. But if they pick it up, be prepared that they may hit you with it before they leave. However, they Helix will not strike offering, you. They, will they not won't strike, strike you. you. There's no Even fear if, or intimidation involved in this process. It's a very well, nice, now safe handoff. There's no fear, but there is a level of intimidation. If, if you know, if you become rude with them, they're liable to defend themselves. I mean, well, if you call these people and say, come and pick up this mattress that I ought to like, but I don't for whatever reason. And when they come all the way down there to do that and you're rude to them or you call them names or potentially curse at them. I think they ought to hit you a time or two. For the record, they won't hit you. They are they very professional. You, but they should. But maybe, they won't. Maybe. Maybe they should. Anyway, Helix <laughs> is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash JCE. You can get all the details when you go there and check all that out. Just to sleep on a... Sleep on a cloud, sleep on a dream, 12,000 five-star reviews. And their mattress in the Tokyo Dome got seven stars. <laughs> well, very good. Very good. And of course, Helix Sleep, a fine mattress. Everyone should check it out. But Jim, why am I taking over like it's my show? I have no I idea what's know. going this on. This mine. We don't have any idea what the fuck is going on here. All right, should we start talking about a little bit of wrestling? No, let's do AEW instead. Instead of talking about a little wrestling. No, we, I can't say that because there was some wrestling on the programs this week. It was interspersed with foolishness, but it was there. Um, and of course, as we mentioned, this is a catch-up show. And we know some of you have seen the pay-per-view. Some of you are, have not seen it. You want to wait for our review. Uh, we're going to bring you up to date on their television programming last week. And then, as I mentioned at the top of the program, I will have a chance to view it. And we will be back with the drive through and... What, less than 24 hours after they hear this, for heaven's sake, if we think. Um, if we think. Or, well, if, if I was going to say if it works, but we think, we think we're going to do this. Um, Dynamite started out last Wednesday with Brian Danielson and Rocky Romero. And help me out. Somebody said that Rocky Romero had wrestled for AEW before, but it had to be on one of the YouTube things or so we haven't seen him on the main show, right? I don't recall ever seeing him on the main show. I could be wrong. It may have been early on because he's aligned with new Japan, isn't he? Yes. And, and again, Brian Danielson comes out. We got star power. They're in a big arena. They got a good looking crowd. Here comes Rocky Romero. He's brand new. He's a blank slate. You can, 
tell people, because I know that the New Japan fans and people who keep up with everything going on everywhere are going to know who Rocky Romero is. But for this environment, for this television program, it's the first time you've seen him. So they got a blank slate. They can tell you or show you what they want to tell you or show you about this guy. He's very talented. He comes out with pockets and the best friends. So was that is that supposed to, in their mind, get him over to the audience? Instead, it pigeonholed him as being a guy who hangs around with the mascot and the guy, you know, well, not the guy whose mother drives the minivan. He's gone. We haven't seen him in ages. He got hurt. No, we have so the C.V. Afi of uh, the best friends. We, yeah, right we have C.V. Udi and <laughs> Uda. And Udi, Udi, and Udi and Chucklefuck, Chucklefuck Taylor. But anyway, he comes and and this is a recurring theme on the program. For some reason, these fucks come out with everybody. And it is so it wasn't needed. Romero is serious. He's a good looking athlete. He's got some charisma. He's got some, you know, heel to him, the swagger. Um excrement had to fill in the background by telling some of who shot John's story about why that these people are together involving Japan some kind of way, but that's, <sighs> you probably got some new fans that are, haven't watched your program, but might want to see Brian Danielson. So you bring this other new good looking guy out with goofballs. Anyway, um, it, there could have been a 90-second package putting him over as a star, showing highlights of him in Japan, beating people. But instead, he comes out with the mascot. Um, and he's fighting one of the most popular guys on the roster. So he comes out with baby faces in his corner, but he acts like a heel. Is that what you saw? I don't know how much he was acting like a heel. I thought he would have been a heel until he came out with Orange Cassidy and crew. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's got the smile, he's got the swagger, he's a good-looking guy, he's, and he's wrestling Brian Danielson. So you would give, you would be convicted in open court of being a heel with that evidence. Besides the fact that everyone loves Brian Danielson and everyone loves his wrestling ability, couldn't you actually say if you were watching all of this on mute, Brian Danielson's the one that comes across like the heel and everything? True, with the joint manipulation and the the rough stuff and everything. Yeah, if you were if you were listening to it deaf yeah he's not smiling you know he's the one out there just always staring a hole through the other guy he's the one who looks like a determined i mean we never saw this version of him in wwe well matt hardy was in the front row where he belongs but he was shadowing pockets <laughs> um but anyway i liked rocky romero's work he hit a, a hurricane run on the floor but immediately tossed danielson back in and hit a move trying to win got a two count um, he reversed that the Danielson tried to give him the belly to back off the top rope and he reversed it, came down into a press. Danielson did the gotch lift. Everybody sold stuff. They traded some nice submissions. They were jockeying for position. They're both very good mat wrestlers. Uh, but then, you know, as suddenly, you know, they were jockeying for position. Danielson rolled into a half crab and Rocky tapped out. Out of nowhere, as they say, modern wrestling desperately needs Eddie Graham. They need a good Bill Dundee. They need a good finish man. Because all these finishes come out of nowhere and they're flat as piss. And it's like 
And we're going to see it here again before the show's over. They'll do all the moves they've planned to do, and then somebody will just win somehow. There's no build to the... It, it, they cheer when it happens. But you know what I'm saying? From watching wrestling finishes for 30 years, as you have, I've only done it for 50, used to build to the finish. There was the things, and all of a sudden now it's just, they're rolling around and suddenly somebody grabs a hold. That's the UFC influence on wrestling. You know, that changed the way guys saw submissions and how you can use submissions and how quickly you can apply something and get a quick tap. That was the big change. When was the last time you saw a referee lift a wrestler's hand up in the air three times? It just This is the way they do it now. But it doesn't have to always be a submission. Can somebody get beat one, two, three? I agree with you. Uh, and can we build it up to where the, you know, it's, it's, it, I've, I just think of all the great matches I've seen in the past where the, you know, they're going home, but you don't know when because they're building and building and you can't, oh my God, right now it happened instead of, oh, wow, that was a big thing. And now they're rolling around and now they're rolling around and now they're rolling. Oh, he won. I don't know. Anyway, that was that match. But um, I like Rocky Romero. Uh, I wish they'd do more with him. I wish they'd not have him aligned with the, you know, the goofball squad. But otherwise than that, this was this was as good or better as anything you'll see on a WWE program, which is why that they should be more worried than they are that they've lost a lot of these fucking guys that have suddenly you couldn't find a quality wrestling match. You could find a quality fucking spot fest, but you couldn't find a quality wrestling match on AEW for a long time. Now they're having more than the WWE is because they've got the guys the WWE used to have that could do them. <sighs> Should we move on? I'll just say good match. This is what I thought it would be with Danielson when we talked about months and months ago, him leaving WWE, that he probably just wants to have things that he'll enjoy and just wrestle all sorts of guys, all sorts of styles. He's been wrestling nonstop against everyone on TV. The fans are really into him. The only big takeaway from the match, and of course, we're not Orange Cassidy fans, and I'm not, but when he's the thing you see facing the camera, so you're watching this serious match with these guys going back and forth, and just he's standing there facing you, it kind of takes away some of the importance of the match to me. Yeah. And I don't understand why, if they got to deal with New Japan, and they just announced on the pay-per-view that Tomohiro Ishii will be making his AEW debut on Dynamite with the best friends. Why are the best friends at Orange Cassidy aligned with Okada's group? Makes no sense, but those are my thoughts. Well, we didn't have to wait long to uh, see our favorite angle play out even even further the dinner circle and america's top team because the dinner circle were making their entrance and suddenly they're attacked on the ramp by american top team and dan lambert and just chaos breaks out and one i it, it, there's so many people out there i couldn't tell which one it was one of the shooters one of the mma guys on america's top team threw seven strikes to Jericho's forearms. And it looked like he was either trying not to hurt Jericho's forearms or not to bruise his forearms on Jericho's forearms because nobody can throw a punch anymore. When they get heat, the guy that they're beating up just goes down and covers up in a ball and doesn't open up anything. And whoever's on top of him just windmills in the direction of what's covered up. I, I oh boy. 
but this was, it was a long heat. Nobody tried to stop it. They had kendo sticks out, trash can lids. It moved at a glacial pace for all the reasons we've mentioned. It's phony when nobody's trying to stop it. It's phony when everybody's just letting everything go. No wrestlers come out. No referees come out. No security comes out. The heels just set Jericho up, and they they set it up where Lambert is on the ropes, and the heels hand Jericho to Lambert and he, he jumps off and he, uh, I use power bomb in quotes, right? It looked like me trying to power bomb somebody, which it was supposed to, cause it's Dan Lambert. He's supposed to be the klutz, but he, they power bomb Jericho. Th- so they had Dan Lambert power bomb, Chris Jericho off the ropes through a table. <sighs> Corey, you remember when I did that to bullet Bob Armstrong and you know, when Bobby Heenan did that to Dick, the bruiser in Indianapolis, boy, they almost had a riot. And then while Jericho's laying there selling and the rest of the dinner circle is still laying in the aisleway for however long it's been since they were left there so that they could beat Jericho up and Scorpio Sky and the other page cut promos standing there over them. And then Lambert puts a Boston crab on Jericho and the heels grab Jericho's hand and make him tap out. Again, nobody trying to help, nobody trying to stop, no officials. It's the wrong kind of heat angle because you're just having to sit there and just watch it. And you're like, what the fuck? This is obviously not real because nobody else is upset. They're allowing this all to go on, but it's going on forever. And it's so, it's obviously contrived to get heat on Dan Lambert so that Jericho can beat him and in somehow beat my surrogate personality so that he can win his big match again. Um, I don't know. There you go. Don't say it like that, like you're tossing it over to me. I did. I tossed it. I I fucking lobbed it. I sidearmed it to you. All right. There it is. Like what Terry did you Leach. think? What did I think? What do you, you know what I think? The feud's garbage. Jericho's garbage. This thing went on forever. I didn't like any of this. This is the worst thing on the show outside of like the Matt Hardy family shit, but usually that's just popping up here and there. The Jericho thing is every week. And it's endless every single week, and it's awful. I really, I, you know, I'm at the point now where I wish massive success for Fozzie. If only <laughs> Fozzie could really have something that moves a lot of units. If only they can come up with a song that really sells. Not that people know the words to, but that really makes a lot of money. And Jericho becomes in demand as a recording artist. That is our only hope to get him away from AEW. What about if a rock gets him in the movies? What about if a rock gets him right between the eyes? <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of right between the eyes, the next match I did not uh, pay close attention to. It was Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Reba against Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and Thunder Rosa. And I would watch Thunder Rosa against Britt Baker in a match that doesn't have any thumbtacks in it. But a six-girl tag team match when we'd had uh, problems over the past few days and packages were waiting to be packed, I saved some time. But I do have one observation. Why is Reba, who, who has been a wrestler for quite a while, but in 
the story that they were telling she's Britt Baker's flunky. And when she used to be forced into wrestling, I remember this from several months ago, she would act like she didn't know what she was doing. Well, now she's wrestling like a fucking professional. When the story before was she wrestled like a sidekick. So I didn't know what was happening there. Maybe she's going to QT's gym. Anybody she's going be a wrestler. to the nightmare factory. That's what it is. All right. Anthony Bowens versus Jungle Boy. And Max Caster, of course, wrapped him to the ring and made fun of Jungle Boy not being able to talk, which uh, he he sometimes strikes a nerve, as Dennis Condry would say. Um, Here's the thing. I didn't even critique this match as a match. It's it's a, It was a nice match between two young guys that don't have a lot of experience. And then again, out of nowhere, Jungle Boy got the snare trap and won it. They don't try to come up with a finish anymore. They just, again, do all of their moves. And then here, I'll catch you in a hold. Okay. They don't actually lay out and build a finish anywhere. But the problem with Jungle Boy is that when he's with someone, a veteran heel, that's clearly a heel and is a veteran and knows how to lead a match, he's fantastic. His talent, his specialness is that beautiful, gorgeous face selling from uh, and fighting back from underneath. You shine him a little bit at the start just so he doesn't look like a schlub, and then some way or another you heal him and cut him off, and then you get heat on him and give him hope spots and let him fight from underneath and let the people get the sympathy and build that to where they want to see him make that comeback. And then when he blows a comeback and does all his stuff, it's fucking great, and then you need to go home because then you're in danger of him becoming a superhero again after he's had the shit kicked out of him and just disregarding everything and doing, you want him to still look like he's had the shit kicked out of him. So after he blows the big comeback, you go to the finish, whatever it may be. He's brilliant in those situations, but when he gets in the ring with either the, the fucking, you know, his Lucha partner, Luchasaurus and his Jurassic bunch, and they get with the Hardly boys and it's just chaos or with another young green guy it's great moves but it's just moves and it doesn't further him any so you know that's what you get he's great when he's with a veteran and it is what it is when he's not but then bobby fish hit the ring and kicked the shit out of him after he beat bowens and that was the best 60 seconds of the segment cuz fish looked like he meant business what did I miss in this one? It was an all right match. I thought the rap was pretty clever, made fun of the fact that Jungle Boy's girlfriend is hanging out with the Dark Order. Got a reaction from the crowd, so they understood the reference. I was surprised that Jungle Boy is getting more of a gruff look now. I mean, not really gruff. He's growing his facial hair. But like you said, I'm not going to call his face that gorgeous, beautiful face or whatever the fuck Hey, that, that facial hair kind of looks like somebody glued Cartman's pubes onto his chin, but go ahead. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if all of a sudden this is going to be the new hard jungle boy, but you know, he's built like Sean Simpson. So I think you know, there's only so much you could do right now. You kind of have to treat him like a baby face working from underneath, like you said, but the fans are into him. Bobby fish. 
has been used pretty well so far in AEW, and this kind of ties into other things with Bobby Fish. And, you know, all things considered, this is a good segment on the show. Can't complain. I'll complain about something coming up. They did what I was afraid they were going to do. They did a package out of the CM Punk, Eddie Kingston confrontation interview slash argument. They excerpted it and showed some of it, but they just gave us 15 minutes of a six girl tag and they couldn't roll that eight or nine minutes in its entirety since it was the best thing that's been on a wrestling program in ages. I'm just, uh. and it was on Friday night in front of 500,000 people. Exactly. Uh, but that was followed by Wardlow in a rare singles match out of nowhere against Wheeler Udy. Udy. And he comes out again with Yuda. pockets. Udy. Yuda. Yeah, you too. With pockets and the best friends and the alien Chris Flatlander. So now at least they're baby faces fighting a heel, but this is the multiple appearances of the the whole pockets gang so anyway basically on this program the preliminary jobbers are in everybody's corner or aligned with them and somehow but wardlow made quick work of this but did you notice he hit four not only power bombs but four of the best looking wickedest fastest power bombs that I've seen in a long time and didn't cover the guy at all. But then he went and hit his move out of the corner. That's so sloppy that when it's fucked up, you can't even tell what it is or when it's right, you can't tell what it is. And that was the one, two, three. Wouldn't Wardlow have looked like a goddamn beast. If he'd have just put his foot on him after that fourth power bomb, instead of taking him over to the corner, setting him up, Given a thumbs up, I thought he was going to do the Asiatic spike, but somehow he drops the part of the guy off the turnbuckle and hits him with a knee, and you can't tell. And we don't know why nobody knows how to take the bump. What the fuck? You know, I never thought I would say this, but can someone show Wardlow some 89 Sid? Yes. And that is the first time that that's ever been said, <laughs> I think, forever. Can someone learn something from Sid? But it's applicable. I like Wheeler Yuta's gimmick that he um, wears a coat. Okay. <laughs> that, that appears to be his gimmick. He wears a coat. I don't know what else his thing is. Well, I, 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 maybe he's cold. I don't know. Maybe he's got bad blood circulation. Those power bombs look great, though. Like if there was, We don't see yes. enough Wardlow, and we never see him, at least on TV. I don't know what goes on in the other world. We never see him have squash matches. This was great. Other than they should have, like you said, should have been powerbomb, pin, looks like a monster, but he looked great here. But then, of course, they can't leave well enough alone because suddenly here comes Matt Hardy and The Blade and Isaiah Cassidy. Basically, here comes half of a bunch of tag teams. Did you know that Matt Hardy doesn't have Jeff, <laughs> Blade doesn't have Butcher, Isaiah Cassidy doesn't have Mark Quinn? old chuckle fuck taylor lost trent so half of a bunch of tag teams come down and they hardy and his guys beat up all the rest of the baby faces and then this is the spot that went around on twitter the idea of this in these feeble minds that came up with this 
was that to get heat on pockets to for their big confrontation coming up, Matt Hardy's going to get a chair and he's going to put the chair, he's going to horse collar pockets with the chair. So the chair is around his neck and then he's going to give him the twist of fate where the chair will just act like a guillotine, right? Most fearsome move you could ever think to do to a motherfucker. So this is why I went out on Twitter and then it was repeated in slow-mo so you could grasp it just in the, the awfulness and horribleness of it. Hardy opens the chair up and is holding it there and pockets bent over, grabbed the chair with his hands on each side and gently pulled it over his own head and put it around his own neck so that then Matt Hardy could give him the twist. And when he gave him the twist of fate, the chair was fucked up sideways and it just kind of crumpled in a heap. It wasn't even really the super fucking stone cold stunner thing that you would fly away from. It was, and then the heel jobbers just left the baby face jobbers laying there and nobody helped. Nobody cared. Nobody Every segment, every time somebody gets in the ring, it ends with a long beat down with everybody involved and nobody tries to do anything. And some, and again, when you have, when everything is chaos, you have no chaos. It becomes the norm. When you have 12 seven-footers, you don't have any giants because it becomes the norm. And this is why that nobody can remember these angles the following day because they're constant and everybody does the same fucking thing after every match. So there you go. Did you see the uh, horse collaring of Pockets' head? Yeah, you know, and it's funny you bring this up. I... Got confused. We saw so much wrestling over the last few days in between all the production issues. I forgot what botches were Wednesday night and what botches <laughs> were Friday night. No, this this was the botch vet because also, uh, was this the one where, no, maybe it wasn't because that, that idiot Peter Avalon was the one. That took, <laughs> yeah. But they also tweeted a clip from something of, of Pockets running across the ring for his Superman punch and jumping up and... And there's that Peter Avalon standing on the bottom rope, leaning his chin in. And you can see on his face, he was squinched up, ready for this punch, like he was standing in front of Mike fucking Tyson, pissed off on Coke. It's Orange Cassidy. He couldn't fucking bust a goddamn bubble to begin with with this thing. But he threw the punch and went a foot underneath the guy's chin. I just bumped the microphone. He went a foot. It didn't sound like the guy's that. chin. And it didn't even, no, it didn't sound, and the guy flew away, even though he wasn't even anywhere near him. And the AEW fans, and then Matt Hardy. This was the one, Hardy, after I think, no, that was Friday. That was the botch on Friday. Hardy goddamn drops an elbow on pockets and misses him by foot. He's laying there motionless. And he still missed him with an elbow drop. <laughs> and then they tried to, oh, he was doing that on purpose to act like he did something behind the referee's back. Since the referee's back was turned anyway, <laughs> then he wasn't going to see it to begin with. But why would you not hit your downed opponent with a move after he's already been knocked out with brass knuckles? You would just hit him with it. You wouldn't fake a noise on the mat. I don't. And the, again, the AW fans are going, well, the camera angles. That's a bad camera angle. No. 
What about the fucking 5,000 people on all four sides of the ring, including at ringside that are 15 feet away that can see plainly? That never happened before in history. Well, it did, but not that often. It's not camera angles. Does all these people now think that the guys that it used to look like they're killing each other is because of the camera angle? That is a crazy argument. But when you see WWE, if you grew up in this era and you see WWE where on every single move they switch the camera angle so you don't see anything. When on every single replay they slow it down until things are about to happen and then they speed it up as fast as they can. I mean, you may be stupid and think that, but it's a ridiculous argument. It's just sloppiness and unprofessionalism. Is it the guys that have been in the WWE system and think, well, those camera switches will protect me, but nobody else does those camera switches. And in history, nobody had the budget to have a fucking multiple camera shoot that could do those camera switches like that on moment of impact. So you had to make it look good. I understand that's what JYD said the Watts after the wrestling two match. It was the camera angle. It was the camera angle. Yeah, it was a fact we had a camera there to begin with. That's what the problem was. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So after that deal, we come back from a break and one of the most exciting 90 seconds of the program was CM Punk and Eddie Kingston yelling at each other in the parking garage with people trying to keep them separate and one would break loose and run toward the other, and then they, but they never actually touched each other. But it looked like they were fucking pissed. Everybody was serious. Nothing actually happened, and it was more exciting than the interaction between all these job guys that doing all these phony heat angles. It was more exciting than every single one of these things that happens on every one of these AEW shows up and down the card where no one runs in and breaks anything up or saves it. We've now seen Punk and Kingston go at it on Rampage. Immediately, there were referees in between them and made it more exciting. The place popped every time one of the guys would break away from the referees and go after the other guy. Same thing here. Punk and Kingston get nowhere near each other. All sorts of people are trying to separate them. At one point, Kingston makes a break. And just starts running, and it's great. Yeah. It makes it more exciting as opposed to all these things happen. There's an attack. There's no one around. What's gone on? And I love it when they attack somebody in the back and the cameraman shoot. And yes, a cameraman, even in wartime with the news cameras, they're trained to shoot whatever. But that doesn't mean that there's nobody watching on a monitor in the same building, probably 50 feet away somewhere that could make their way over there and do something about it. Anyway, did you like the Leo Rush and Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty tag team contest? I loved it. I loved Honestly, what did you love about it? This is where you and I are going to be completely on opposite pages. I am a fan of Leo Rush. (laughs) I like every single thing I see this guy do. He's a great heel promo. He's great at ringside. I know he's small, so if you can look past the fact that he's small, but he's in a company with lots of small guys, even the way he works is different than what other guys do. The way he tries to get away from a move before it happens, his quickness. Yeah, scampering away and and going at odd angles and everything. He's creative. He's a creative and clever guy in the ring, and I think Dante Martin's a future star. I like this. I actually did like this. I will say, when they say that Leo Rush is Dante Martin's mentor, but he looks like his little cousin that he's picked up after school and is taken to get him ice cream, Dante Martin's six feet tall. So I have a hard time buying the child size Leo Rush as a mentor. Uh, but um, 
as we mentioned, Dante Martin, incredible physical attributes that he has, that grace and the leaping ability. He needs he needs to be older. He needs facial expressions, a personality, a physique, etc. But what he has, you can't teach. It has to be natural. Those other things probably will come with age and experience. Um, him and Moriarty, who don't look bad. They did a million things fast, but they had the sense to stop every once in a while and get an ovation. Um, but this is this is modern wrestling. It's smaller guys going 100 miles an hour doing a synchronized routine, and then Dante Martin stands out because he has that amazing something athletically. But as far as a match, it, you're watching individual guys do a performance. None of these guys could put a match together. The hot tag was two simultaneous cold tags on either side of the ring. Um, there's an extended four way. The corpse ref was involved. So there were no rules and the four way just went on forever. And I, by the way, I have never seen a son of a bitch more unequipped for and or disinterested in his job or even looking like he's making an effort at his job than Rick Knox is. <laughs> and I mean, I, can they get somebody younger that can keep up with the guys? Cause well, he's got to be in his fifties. And I'm just wondering if, you know, if it's, is he just blowing up or what's the, what's the issue? Oh, I'm not sure, but I mean, it would be tough to find someone with that pro wrestling gorilla pedigree, like a Rick Knox has, mm. or as you put it, my new favorite nickname, the corpse ref. The corpse ref. <laughs> uh, he should be produced by Tim Burton. Um, why was Leo Rush wearing a top with the word moth, M-O-T-H, on the back? Is that like your cruiserweight, flyweight? He's a moth weight? I don't know. I thought maybe he likes bugs. Um, at several points in the match, it started looking like they were just making shit up on the fly. And the other guy wouldn't know how to take it, and they would just fall in kind of a heap because it was going so fast. There's a lot of talent here and a lot of ability and they're trying hard, but they just, whichever team was supposed to be the faces or heels, you had no idea. They just kept taking turns as to who was in charge. And then at one point, Leo and Leo Rush and Dante Martin, who are partners, both go to the top rope to do something together off of it, but Seidel runs and jumps up. Hurricane Rana's Leo Rush off into the ring, and Dante Martin had to stand there and wait for Moriarty to come and jump up and throw him off. And they did some four-way kung fu movie shit, and then suddenly Dante Martin hit his moonsault. One, two, three. And that's a very fancy move, and he seems to be nailing it with regularity. But... It's just, this was, this would be like a match that you would have at a spot show in a training school where you would say, okay, guys, go and put your match together and have it, and then we'll break it down afterwards. And then he would tell them, don't do about half of what you did, but concentrate on the shit, good shit you did do and do more of that. And here's how, but this was not for TV. It was something to keep people's attention, but you know, it was just, it was just, crazy when you see a wrestler with the amazing leaping ability of a dante martin for instance do you think they start the day out with a healthy breakfast you know i think they do brian i think they do and i'm glad you brought that up because i wasn't thinking about breakfast right now but (laughs) 
I'll tell you what, now that you've got it on my mind, I'm getting hungry. And the best way to break that fast, folks, however long you've been fasting, if it's been several days, if I were you, I'd ease into this. But if you want to break your fast with healthy, delicious food, our friends at Magic Spoon, do you believe in magic in your breakfast bowl? I sang that last week. You can go to magicspoon.com and see all the tremendous flavors that are involved. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four net grams of carbs in each serving, 140 calories a serving, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. We're not going to say anything bad about these people. They won't even intimidate you, much less hit you over the head with their magic spoon because they're nice people that spread happiness and joy and magic and magic around the world. And, and you would think that there's some type of magic leprechaun dust on this magic spoon because it just makes you feel good. And if you go to magicspoon.com slash Jim and use the promo code Jim, J-I-M, at checkout when you grab a cu custom bundle of the cereal, you can pick the uh, flavors and types that you want. If you use the promo code Jim at checkout, you can save $5 off their order. And Magic Spoon, another one of these confident folks, possibly even arrogant that they're so confident in their product, 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it, for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. We might come behind them and ask a few questions, because it reflects on us too, but they won't ask you anything. What kind of questions you want to ask? What the fuck are you doing? You trying to make us look bad? You want a fucking fist in your face? <laughs> Get that fucking cereal back and shove it down your gullet. That's the kind of questions I would ask. So when you said there may be intimidation earlier, you meant from you, not necessarily from Magic Not from the sponsor, but from A, this reflects on me too. If you're going to be the first person in the world that didn't like Magic Spoon, don't use my promo code. Anyway, but remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Jim. Use the code Jim to save $5 off at checkout. And by the way, now the cookies and cream and maple waffle are back permanently. All right. But still don't wait because they could be sold out. You never know. Supply chain issues. They've got, you know, the they don't use the Keebler elves to make this stuff. They got a set of elves that they found in, in Teterboro that, that, that have an extensive background in cereal making. They're not just these, ah. the generic elves. The generic elves, they make cookies. They make little little snack cakes they make cereal they make all kinds of these elves are cereal specialists the dundee the, elves the dundee elves from teeterboro new jersey <laughs> anyway all right well let's get away from teeterboro and we said that magic spoon is obviously guilt-free was the rest of dynamite guilt-free well no it wasn't um i will elucidate further and also miro did a promo by the way about brian danielson and it's very good. Again, at some point, don't they have to bring in either his wife or God, one or the other? You would I mean, think his, so. His, yeah, you would his, think so. His wife might be easier, but I think God would get over better. But who would they get to play God? You know, the only other thing that sucks about it, it does seem like they're setting it up for his wife to come in eventually. And if not, fine. It's just promos. But I feel like Miro doesn't need anybody. 
I feel like he's great on his own with nobody around yes. him. Well, I, I like that he's referring to the unseen wife that people know who it is, but still he, she's not in the picture and et cetera. I like that part, but I think he's got to produce God sooner or later. Cause I think that may, that may be the match they're building to because he's, he's cursed God. He's asked him why he forsook him. He's threatened him. He's given him ultimatums. I don't know whether God would be putting up with this or not. I think God needs to do a run in at the next pay-per-view. Start this new angle. Right. Anyway, a match that I was convinced I was going to like. And it's, I was so convinced that I had to take a break after the rest of the show. I wanted to, to be refreshed and everything for I watched. So I took a little break. I, I breathed through my mouth. I got calm and everything over all this stuff. I said, this is going to be good. Dax Harwood against Pack. And I noticed at the top, Pack is still said to be one third of Death Triangle with the Lucha Brothers, right? Even a pack is a baby face here against Dax and it's been a baby face. And of course, D death triangle, classic baby face name. Uh, but now that the Lucha brothers are baby faces because they're obviously facing FTR at the pay-per-view, I'm thinking, okay, it seems like Dax would win via a little fuck finish here to heat up the situation with his stable mates facing FTR at the pay-per-view. One would think. One would have thought wrong. Here's the thing. With Pac, I have come to determine, you know how I've said that some guys, in, depending on their opponent, if they're in with one type of person, they're great. If they're in with another type of person, they're not. Um, I said early on with Malachi Black, he was still trying to figure his stuff out, but that he was a, a good wrestler. But when he started trying to play the mind games, doing the sports entertainment, then it, he started backing up, took me out of it. Pack has a switch that somebody is somebody with attention deficit disorder is manning because Pack in the same match can look like one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the business or a complete fucking moron, and you never know what it's going to be. And it's all over the place. <clears throat> He looks great physically. He looks like a badass. They started out wrestling. They locked up and struggled like men. And they went through all kinds of nice, smooth pro wrestling spots and still leaving room for things to breathe. And, you know, they, they did the stand and trade forearm things, but at least they looked good. And then for the break spot, of course, it, Pac had to do a dive, a dive for a break spot. Why haven't we thought of that before? That's brilliant. He doesn't need to do dives. He looks like a wrestler, but he can do them, so he did do it. There was the break spot. Okay, we're good so far. We come back. The guy on the switch has flipped the switch. They're fighting on the top turnbuckle forever. At one point, they're standing there kind of motionless. But then Pac gives Dax a brain buster. We just talking about nobody doing a brain buster. And somebody mentioned Dax does a lot of them. Um, but Pack does a brain buster off the top rope onto Dax. And yes, he sells and is a slow cover, but it's a two count. What would be a finish now? If somebody actually had one, a chainsaw, it, it that, that was my biggest problem with the match was there were some, 
terrific and clear finishes, which yes. just set up the next one. <laughs> which just set up the next one. And and also, it may be that we, we said that brain busters are not actually dangerous to your head for concussion business, right? And pile drivers and everything. It's marks that think that. If you know what you're doing, your head never touches anything. But what this did come close to doing, or I don't know how Dax feels, this is a dangerous move for your back. Because from that height, you are landing on that ring that has maybe two inches of give, maybe three inches of give in the middle part, and then you're stopping dead because that's as far as it's going to give. And you could fuck your fucking vertebrae up in your back taking a properly delivered brain buster from that height. So that could fuck his back up. And for for a two count. And then everything slowed down. Obviously after a brain buster off the top, but it slowed down. They had momentum going and it starts slowing down. Pack hits a missile drop kick off the top rope to Dax's back, knocks him forward almost to the ring post and doesn't cover him. He bends over and does the shitty grab leg and turn him to the right spot so that he can go to the top again. But then he goes to the top, Dax rolls out of the way. And now all momentum has been lost, and they try to do some more stuff and pack again. Remember we just had on the drive-thru a discussion about the Irish whip and shooting guys off and when it looks good and when it looks lazy? Pack does the head palm shoot off to Dax twice, and Dax goes with it. And I say head palm shoot off. He, a bunch of guys are doing it. Archers was doing it. I don't know why, where this came from, or why anybody wasn't immediately screamed at and cussed at and told they'd be fired if they ever did it again. In whatever company this started in, they take their hand and just put it behind the guy's head and wave their right arm and the guy takes off running and hits the ropes and comes back. And I think back to when I learned not to do something like that from Bobby Eaton in 1982, when he told me what big bill Dromo said to him in 1977. Dromo's a baby face. Bobby's a heel working for Goulas. He goes to grab bill Dromo and run his head in a turnbuckle. And he grabs him with his right hand and he draws back and he goes to run him in a turnbuckle and Dromo won't go. And he's and he tries to do it again and Dromo won't. He's stock still. And he looks up and Dromo says, I'm a big man. Use two hands. And when he reached up with his left hand, then automatically they're working again and Dromo goes into the turnbuckles head first. It's not that fucking difficult. Anyway. So then Tully pulls Dax out of the corner and Pack hits the turnbuckle and Dax hits a nice brain buster. So now we're seeing all kinds of them. Gets two count. Immediately after being brain busted, Pack is immediately back on offense, drops behind on a suplex, hits a super kick, waits 12 seconds, doesn't cover him, reaches down and tells Dax to roll over, which he does. So then Pack goes to the top, which takes another 10 seconds to get up there so Dax can stop him. Dax gives him a belly to back off the top. Both sold it, but nobody covered anybody. And after taking a belly-to-back suplex off the top rope, Pack, as Dax charges at him, Pack is instantly 100% and hits a German suplex, 
and then all the momentum stops again. I have to feel that Dax was overruled on a variety of things. I've never seen a match involving either Dax or Cash that made less sense than this. Dax hit a clothesline and a slingshot powerbomb that looked lovely. That Got was a two awesome. Count. That was looked great. awesome. Yeah. That should be uh, somebody's finish, and it play on what Tully used to do. Uh, but they did more back and forth. And then at one point, Pack backslid Dax. Dax kicked out of the backslide, and immediately Pack just got an STF of some kind on him, and Dax gave up instantly. Instantly. Out of nowhere. This is the third time on a two hour program that somebody just grabbed a fucking hold and somebody tapped out of nowhere. Can anybody come up with a finish? So then, of course, there has to be an angle. Cash hits the ring and starts getting heat on Pack. Pack covers up and didn't open up for anything. The lights go out. They come back on. Malachi Black and Andre Oliolio are in the ring, joining the heat. But then the Lucha Brothers come and hit the ring and make a big comeback. But at the same time, Cody is coming down the arena stairs. The Lucha Brothers came from the back down the entranceway. Cody is taking forever to get to the fucking ring. And finally he gets there and he's all over Malachi Black and the baby faces cleared the ring. And by this point, I'd forgot what match was this on the pay-per-view was this match and angle originally supposed to heat up because now we've just crossed fucking programs to the point where I don't know what the fuck's going on. The match on the pay-per-view ended up being Cody and Pac against Andrade and Malachi. What started here was FTR and Lucha Brothers. They were going to juice that up. It's a match between Dax and the Lucha Brothers' partner. By the time they get finished, they're promoting a tag team match. And I don't know where the first guys ended up. It's a goddamn... Just do an angle with everybody on the card. Just have 26 people go out and fight. And then you've covered everything in one segment. The crowd popped big when the Lucha Brothers ran out. And then just out of nowhere, there's Cody. And then they saw Cody. What? Where was Cody? Is there any reason why Cody was coming through the crowd all of a sudden? Where was he? Was he getting a pretzel? Where the fuck was Cody that he was coming down through the crowd? Well, in their minds, there's some reason for it. I'll come down from the crowd. That way they don't see which way I come out. They don't know whether I'm a baby face or a heel or some deep meaning that nobody It's just like, the fuck, hurry up, pal. Take those bleachers two at a time. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's the heel tunnel, Cody. (laughs) Well, that was the funniest visual ever of the people going nuts for the Lucha Brothers running out there. Because whatever you want to say, the AEW fans love the Lucha Brothers and Alex... People are going nuts. Yeah. And it just so happens that Cody at the same time is being ignored as he comes down through the crowd and it takes him forever to get there. The but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't completely ignored. Once the people saw him and realized he was there, they started booing him. Well, that's true. That is true. Good point. Anyway, so Pac's, Pac's physical work as far as his move doing is mostly okay. His psychology is... I don't, is it not there? And I don't know what the fuck. He, every time he's got a good match going, he starts either going to the top rope like he should be, you know, Tiger Mask. At the way he looks, he doesn't need it. 
or he's doing a ridiculously too big move in mid-match and it all goes to shit and you can't follow it, whatever. And that was our TV main event, but we had one more thing coming up on the program. The big contract signing. So now... Oh, fuck. Remember every once in a while on wrestling down through the years, you'd see the big contract signing. And, and so that, w- that was good. And usually something happened to juice the match up and everybody, you know, sometimes would remember it for a while. How many contract signings on WWE and AEW television have we seen in just the last three months? Every week there's a contract signing. Is there, they, we rely on, we rely, they rely on the same five things over and over again. So this one's tween Hangman Adam Page and Twinkle Toes McFingerbang. Twinkle Toes was wearing a purple suit with white socks. Looked very pleasant. It's the old mix-up again. Do you want to go to Cox's and get a seersucker suit, or do you get mixed up and go to Sears instead? But they were trying to again tell this story. We were friends. We were partners. We were family. And there was more about Adam Page's failures and sorrows. And I was... At, at that point, looking at the crowd and go, you know what? These people, they actually bought this phony, goofy, wimpy backstory that they saddled poor Adam Page with, which must indicate the difference in generations from 20 years ago when a guy that has been booked and presented like Adam Page would have probably been pulled into the crowd and cuffed around about the head and face and kicked out the back door by the fans for all of the sorrow and loss and failure and mopiness and everything. But somehow is that what, is it just that this generation that the comedy wrestling appeals to is wants people that are sad and morose and mopey and flawed and wishy-washy and whatever the fuck. I can't answer that, but as I'm sure we'll talk about tomorrow when we record the pay-per-view review, that what we said a while back ended up being correct. That Adam Page is being booked to be a fall-down drunk and that his life only comes back together when he gives up alcohol, and it appears that's exactly what this is. <laughs> anyway, he's, Page speaks well. It's not him, it's just the material, but at least he had some confidence here. But then, of course, Twinkle Toes offers a handshake, Adam Page accepts it, and right at that point, Did we refer to this two or three weeks ago on the program? And I thought they listened, so they should have been taking notes. Maybe Tony didn't have people in his legal department taking notes of our program, or they could have avoided stooging off their angle. angle. The handheld cameraman in the ring for the contract signing walks across in front of the shot of the other handheld man. Did you see that and instantly go, okay, here we are? Or did you just think it was a production fuck-up? As soon as I saw a cameraman... I thought it was an angle. Well, I mean, well, I know it was an angle because it was a contract signing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so Twinkle Toes and Adam Page shake hands and Twinkle Toes goes to step out of the ring and the cameraman from behind nails Page with his camera and it's Don Fallis. And he unmasks and they could have done the same thing by going to the hard camera wide shot post to post right for the cameraman to start charging because 
then nobody would have been able to see it ahead of time coming, but everybody would have seen it when it happened and would have been surprised by it. But they had to tease, oh, here, watch this cameraman, and then they cut to a shot, the cameraman is not in, so he comes out of the shot to hit Paige with the camera, but they'd already showed him, obviously. If they'd have made it look accidental by going to the hard camera shot post to post and he just happened to be in it and boom would accomplish the same thing but they had to fucking show us anyway page gets juice a little bit at what we used to call in the locker room a pap smear but it was enough where it was running down where twinkle toes could sign the contract in adam page's blood which i'm not sure we might need to consult with stephen p new but i'm not sure it would hold up in court against a legal challenge why not well because first of all he was signing it in blood and not black ink which we know black and blue ink is preferable for contracts but also because it was completely illegible it wasn't really a signature it was just a smear of blood however so he could claim it was forged he's on video doing it and stating that his intention was to sign the contract with the foreign substance that i agree with you is not black or blue ink i think I think we have an argument on our side. Well, I don't know. I think we're going to have to call Stephen on this because, you know, for one way or another, if this is not legal, I think we should nullify the result of the pay-per-view match. Because for heaven's sake, we can't, I mean, you can't have a, a an illegal contract signing for a world championship match in AEW and have it signed in blood and and not challenge that legally. Well, that was. I would, I would think. I would think Phallus. Phallus would come up with that. Well, maybe, and you guys. Phallus would come up with a transition if he was here right now. I bet. But I'll just. I'll just say this, boy, Don. I remember when you used to have a full head of hair. There it is. I remember when Don Phallus used to have a full head of hair, and right now, what he's got is slicker than a hard-boiled egg. But folks, Very it nice. doesn't have to Very be that nice. way. Yes. Did you know, did you know, Brian, two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35 years old. And since Don is past 50 now, it's gotten extreme. More than 50 million men in the United States suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and keeps offers the generic versions of both of them. So not only do you not get get jacked out of all of your money, the treatment started just $10 a month because they offer the generic versions, but they offer the only ones that are approved by the FDA. Is that the Food and Drug Administration, last time I checked? I believe so, yes. Well, it ought to be Food, Drug, and Hair Products Administration, FDHPA, because they're approving these hair products also. Folks, if you want to keep what you've got, use keeps because you can reverse the trend that you're on currently. You'll not only keep the hair that you've got on your head, but you will see slowly and gradually those other ones peeking out from underneath the soil up there on top of your head and springing into the daylight and the sunshine thanks to the folks at keeps. Convenient virtual doctor consultations, medications delivered straight to your door every three months so you don't have to leave home. Discreet packaging, proven results, more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And as we've said before, seven in the Tokyo Dome. 
Have you noticed more Japanese people are have hair than are bald? Where it's reversed over here. What? That's because I have that's not noticed gets, this. No, it gets more stars in the Tokyo Dome. If you're ready to take action and prevent your hair loss, or if you want to just accost somebody on the street and rub some of this shit on their head because they're going bald, they'll thank you later. Go to keeps.com slash JCE to receive your first month of treatment for free. Keeps, K E E P S, keeps.com slash JCE to get your first month of treatment for free. What do you think would happen if you just tackled somebody on the street, held them down and rubbed some keeps on their head and, and told them to thank you later? I think you'd be arrested and rightly so. And let's not do that. Of course, keeps is for you and you alone. So Buy keeps, it and use keeps, it. Keeps your keeps to yourself. That's right. Keeps your keeps yeah. to yourself. Don't hand me no lines. It keeps your keeps to yourself. All right. Back to the programming. Um, so they'd done all that. That was on Wednesday night. And they had one more shot to rectify their mistakes on Friday night. And do we have any, by the way, do we have any ratings information? Because I heard Wednesday night was back down in the trouble, troublesome territory for their Wednesday night show again. I will well, find possibly them Possibly because talking. of the, inv the multiple involvement of Pockets and his friends. But as I said, they had one more chance on AEW Rampage on Friday night, the 12th, the go-home show for the pay-per-view. And remember what I said earlier about Jungle Boy? He's great with a veteran that can lead him and make him fight from underneath. And I honestly, I, I, was, I had high hopes for Jungle Boy versus Bobby Fish. For many parts, I was happy with those hopes that I had, but there was one part in the, and again, I'm afraid it's, it's fish either. Maybe, maybe he's used to the, you know, the laxness there now already, or maybe it's just what they do, but they, they started out. Jungle boy started with the jump start. He was all over fish because they did an angle. Um, and there was some heat. But Fish took over, and Jungle Boy's fighting back from underneath, and he hit the top rope move that he had, you know, tried earlier and been foiled. But then Fish takes him to the floor and bounces him off the railing, and they proceeded to fight on the floor for a one minute and 40 seconds in front of Ref Aubrey, who used to have some level of competence and control in the ring there was no count no no well she even maybe acted like she was counting but it was a minute and 40 i think she could have got to 10 or 20 and they go to the break so when they came back i thought ah oh, i was just hoping that bobby would be a better leader here than than this to have just another aew match he's capable of more jungle boy made a comeback bobby stopped him more back and forth it, it it wasn't bad, as I said, but it already had kind of got disappointed. But again, Fish was kicking Jungle Boy, and out of nowhere, Jungle Boy grabbed his leg, <laughs> took him down, got the snare trap, and Fish tapped out. Just boom. There you go. It's the same thing every time. Either there's an angle, there's a run-in, or there's a finish out of nowhere. But... We got both of them here because there was an afterbirth too after the finish out of nowhere. Here comes Adam Cole. And he and Bobby Fish get some heat on Jungle Boy. 
And then they pull out two chairs from underneath the ring and the announcers are already calling for, oh, the concerto! Which is, as we've mentioned, I think if if I could throw anything in the bin, as they say over across the pond, be that fucking concerto in any company by anybody. It's ludicrous. You can't make it look real. But before they get a chance to, here comes Christian Cage and Dino Douche, and they proceeded to hit the ring and beat the shit out of Bobby Fish and took all the heat off of the heels that they just got. And and Fish was left in the ring. The others left. Fish was left in the ring to get the shit kicked out of him. And then the babyface just stand there like, come on, we'll do some more to you. Do, they start. I've never seen a show that regularly started an angle at the top of the segment and paid it off and finished it by the time the segment was over with. A couple things. One, the ratings you asked for. Wednesday night did 913,000 viewers, which is up 4% from last week, but it is still okay. the second lowest audience since July 7th. Well, I'm sorry. And the previous week with the numbers, I was there where they were back down in the 800s. So at least this would back up a little bit. What about Friday night? Have we heard these things yet? These are the fast national numbers, so these are not completely accurate. It'll more than likely move up slightly. But Rampage garnered 480,000 viewers. Ouch! Which is down 14% from last week. The go-home for the pay-per-view. All righty then. Well, speaking of hey, going home... I don't know if you ahead. missed it. Did you see the promo on Dynamite with the Young Bucks and Cole and Fish? Uh, no, I skipped over that completely. It appeared... Because like I saw their faces. <laughs> well, they were teasing some sort of dissension. I think they were between Fish and the Bucks, even though he's Cole's friend and he's aligned with them. So the idea that O'Reilly's coming in, we think, even if Roddy's not, and you get those three together, Red Dragon and Adam Cole, and you have the Bucks and whoever, Omega, Page, whoever, that may be where they're going. And whether you like the Bucks or not, in terms of Vince McMahon and WWE just handing over something that should work, while the Undisputed Era would never get used appropriately on the main roster there, handing the Undisputed Era over to feud with, you know, eventually they could, with the Elite yeah. or something. Jesus Christ. I mean, they just handed them the top stars yeah. from NXT. And see, I'll watch that. Because I'm right now, I'm skipping whatever Adam Cole does because I have liked his work and him as a person so much in the past. If I regularly see him having these garbage matches with the Cucamonga kids and doing all the foolishness and bullshit, by the time they break him loose and they do reestablish the Undisputed Era, he'll be ruined for me. So I am pretty much not watching Adam Cole if he's associating on screen with the Hardly Boys for future generations' sake. I would like to like him in the future. All right. But in this case, on this particular Friday night program, there's Adam Cole and the Hardly Boys starting to do a promo, and I start to fast forward, but Page walks in. Adam Page, that is. I know we got a lot of pages, a lot of cages, gauges, etc. Cole walks out, and Adam Page apologizes to the Hardly Boys for being an ass and cost them their title shot and blah, blah, blah. But then he says... But they're even because they did it to him, too, so don't touch me on Saturday, or elsewise we'll have problems. So now the babyface is apologizing to the, apologizing, apologizing to the heels. 
And actually, when you see the pay-per-view, it turns out all the heels ever needed was an apology. That's all they were waiting for was an apology from the Are you kidding? Friend. Oh, don't don't spoil anything, but they just they just wanted an apology from their friend, even though they're heels and he's a baby face. They that's all they needed. Sometimes that's an apology cool. will do, apparently. Yeah, well, I wish that the fucking Hardly Boys' parents would apologize for meeting each other so we wouldn't have to go through all this. The last stampede would have been great if the week before you just said, Bill, I'm sorry. What am I doing? <laughs> well, I shouldn't have said those things about Joel. Shouldn't have said I'd have him swabbing out toilets and selling Midnight Express bumper stickers. I apologize. Anyway, the next match was Jane Cargill versus Santana Garrett. And Jane won. And then Mark Sterling, the alleged attorney of Jane Cargill, had a cake for her anniversary of when she signed there or signed with him or whatever the fuck. And wouldn't you know, Red Velvet came out and smashed the cake in Mark Sterling's face, who did the worst job of a manager receiving a cake in the face ever because he's holding it and she tips it up and he just puts it in his face and it puts it back down. And it, almost none of it stuck to him. You've got to put it in and smoosh it around and get it all over the place and everything. It would just bloop, bump. And then they had a pull apart with Jane Cargill and Red Velvet there on the floor. So now the girls are getting pulled apart. But it's just when the most dangerous team of MMA artists in the history of the world and the top Chris Jericho's dinner circle getting a fight. Nobody wants to pull them apart, but two girls fighting. We'll pull them apart. I don't know. Uh, uh, I know you love Jane. Did I miss it? I like red velvet. I like red velvet more than Jade. Jade is the look. Although she's so much bigger and more defined than everyone else in the division. She not only stands out, but I don't even know who her opponents are, but red velvet even though sometimes she's so energetic, she completely misses what she's trying to do. She's always trying to do something, and she really seems into it. I like Red Velvet. She's always trying to do something, and she really seems into it. Yeah. Well, there you go. I don't know what Jade's motivation is. Uh, they did a great uh, package on Kingston and Punk with some biting and realistic comments. That that makes it continue to be the only thing that I really want to see on this pay-per-view. And then for, for whatever reason now, Dante Martin is the bell of the ball. And this may be why this program did 480-something thousand viewers as a go-home show for the pay-per-view, because most of it did not promote the pay-per-view. Now, it was his hometown. Uh, That's one of the reasons why he was probably well, the bell well, of the ball. Well, no, but I'm just saying, Don, Dante Martin against Arya Davari. He's Sean Davari's brother. I'm a big fan of Sean. I've worked with him at OVW and again in TNA, and I'm not saying anything bad about either of these guys, but this was not a lot of star power for your go-home television program for the pay-per-view. And obviously, Dante comes out on top, but now Team Taz has made an offer to Dante to join their group. Hey, just think about it. It'll be there when you, you know, when you decide. Cause Leo Rush wasn't there. So now Team Taz trying to go behind Leo Rush's back. And but I gotta be honest, if I if I was an AEW, would I rather be mentored by Leo Rush or a member of Team Taz? I'll I'll take uh, I'll take Taz. 
I wish you could see the smile on my face right now. <laughs> Just thinking about a Team Taz-Leo Rush feud. It will be the best promos on every show. There will be things that make you laugh, but not in a stupid wrestling humor kind of way. There'll be some energy, some excitement. This is exactly what I want on this show. Team Taz versus Leo Rush and whoever his stable of protégés are. I can't wait for this. You know, Brian, if Dante is conflicted on accepting that offer from Team Taz, or just if he's conflicted about anything, or maybe Tony Khan, I'm betting that if Tony Khan had somebody to talk to before he booked these programs, he'd get some advice, he'd do a better job. I bet the folks at BetterHelp would not only give Tony Khan better booking advice than he's getting from some of his roster, but they'd charge him a whole lot less to do it. And I don't mean to make light of a serious situation, but everybody sometimes needs somebody to talk to. I think some of the AEW crew more than most. But if you need somebody to talk to, if there's something interfering with your happiness, preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, by the way, BetterHelp can help. They'll assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist you can start communicating with in under 48 hours Professional counseling done securely online with a broad range of expertise. I don't know if there's any budding Eddie Grahams or Roy Shires on the BetterHelp staff. They may not be able to help with booking advice, but they can help you with life advice because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit the website BetterHelp.com, read the testimonials that are posted daily. And as I mentioned, it's more affordable than either traditional offline counseling or hiring some bug-headed professional wrestler to give you advice. Visit BetterHelp.com slash J-C-E, BetterHelp.com slash J-C-E, and get 10% off your first month's services. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional with the folks at BetterHelp. And I have a feeling if I watch any more of these programs, I'm going to be a regular customer myself. Well, this past week's Friday Night Rampage certainly started off one way and ended a completely different way. It ended a completely different way. A lumberjack match from the from the heated episode where Pockets put his own head in Matt Hardy's chair and allowed himself, obviously, right there in front of God and everybody to be dropped like a rock now it's a lumberjack match pockets comes out with chris flatlander wheeler Yudi, and chuckle fuck taylor and they're all dressed as lumberjacks i'm a lumberjack and i'm okay with the the cap and the checkered shirt the flannel and the jeans and then here comes matt hardy with Again, half of every tag team, the Blade, Isaiah Cassidy, the Bunnies out there, plus every job guy in the company that they've been paying for all this time that you never see is around the ring. Yeah, we found out where Pillman Jr. was. Oh, no, down there. The, again, remember we kept asking, where's Brian Pillman Jr.? He's on a, a, an independent national television program on Vice that paints him as one of the most sympathetic baby faces in the history of wrestling, which means he gets a win on TV. Then he gets to work with MJF rightfully. So does not come out on top of the program with MJF, but instead of then bringing him back for a couple of weeks for rehabilitative wins, 
on television to still keep him in people's minds. He goes into the Federal Witness Protection Program, shows up two months later as a lumberjack in a job guy match. Thanks for coming, Brian Pillman Jr. And before the bell, all the lumberjacks started fighting with each other before the people in the match did which gave me the opportunity to reach for my remote before I had to see Pockets do anything. Wait, did you not see why they were all fighting? And Matt Hardy said, if somebody will knock him out, I'll give him 20 grand or whatever the, you know. Uh, yeah. He just starts yelling, uh, not even 20 grand. I think it was like five grand or something. And all these wrestlers on AEW Ross like, oh shit, <laughs> let's get moving. And then it just turned into Another chaos. guy giving out free money. <laughs> I wonder where he got that gimmick. But here, here's the thing. Um, until the company mascot here comes up with a new joke, I can't come up with any new jokes about him. It's the same. These matches are all the same. It's clownishness and foolishness and people stooging for his ridiculous one-note gimmick, one punchline joke. And as seen on Twitter, full of botches including the whiff on the superman punch and matt hardy missing an elbow drop and then trying to claim it was on purpose um you can't take this serious and this it seems like the friday night show has become the depository for all of this tomfoolery because i i understand they're embarrassed to have it on wednesday night where more people are watching but the problem is it's a work and you don't have to have it at all and if you've made a mistake and put a bunch of these interchangeable preliminary wrestlers together in various combinations and just just take them all off concentrate on your stars and if you see some of these guys have some talent then rehabilitate them they're they're the ones that ought to disappear for a while instead of Brian Pillman Jr who's ready to go or instead of some of these other people that we like and then never see again but we got to put up with the best fucking friends every week just because the boss is a mark for them and, and the mascot's his favorite Halloween costume. It, it, dismantle this. It's not it's doing nothing for ratings. Nobody wants to see it. And it's just basically detracting from the rest of your program. And concentrate on building your new stars that have a chance of contributing in the future instead of this mess of Falderall. My thoughts. What are your thoughts? I'm no Orange Cassidy fan, but to me, the problem here is Matt Hardy more than Orange Cassidy. And that's not to say well, I, I want this gimmick not, or anything around, but... I was talking about both combinations. Okay. I was talking about Matt Hardy and Blade and Isaiah Cat, all these... What the... Just stop. Just stop. Put them. Put them in single matches on YouTube. Let them figure out what else they need to do, and put something else coherent together in a few months. But don't just keep putting these guys out here to do the same shit every week, and it's all rotten. And now Matt Hardy's even calling them pockets. Did you see that? Well, yeah, and he's stealing my material too. I should have trademarked pockets when I trademarked myself. Mister Irrelevant I, I, strikes again. I could sue Matt Hardy for gimmick infringement on my gimmick, and but I didn't trademark. I just didn't think ahead far enough. But yeah, I mean, they have to do something to appeal to the people that like their show that want to see me 
gutted with a rusty fishing knife and boiled in oil and have my fat sold for soap. So they, the heels start using my knocks and the baby faces start beating my surrogates. But I'm just over here telling the truth as I see it. And that was AEW Rampage. Yes, it certainly was. And I was in a rampage along with the past couple of days where I've been in a rampage about everything. So we, what we've told the people is that we were going to catch them up and then we're going to take a short break and I'm going to watch this pay-per-view and then we're going to come back in a mere hours and do another show recapping that. So we have finished up. We've caught up to date on our, our uh, responsibilities and we can go forward especially with new internet service that I will be obtaining on Thursday come hell or, or I'll tell you one thing, the spectrum guy, this is going to be like a roach motel for the spectrum guy. He's going to check in, but if I don't get internet the way I want it, he ain't checking out. And Hotchkiss is going to be here to hold him down just to make sure. So by the way, what are you doing on the Arcadian Vanguard programs this week that the folks can keep an ear out for until we get the second half of our extravaganza done? You know what? I'm tired. You're tired. We have to go now edit this show, get it up, and then record again tomorrow. Listen to all the shows. Get information on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard on Twitter, at Super Podcast, and of course, listen to the 605 Super Podcast. The Bubber Ship! God damn you, I already had my finger on the applause button. I was going to say, at least I don't have to hear that one time. I was going to give you a round of applause. I was going to give you the clap. Well, I've never had the clap, and I won't start now, but 605pod.com. More information about all the shows available at those places, and we'll have more either on the drive through or the experience, but it's time to get this one up so you can listen to it and stop tweeting me about where it is. Yes, and as I said, then once we're caught up, then this coming week we're going to start our long-awaited territory talk. Because as as I remember a line from my childhood wrestling fan days one time, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee had worked, it was it 11 or 12 weeks in a row at the Mid-South Coliseum. And in that period of time, they sold 90-something thousand tickets because they had a couple of sellouts, several more were 10,000, blah, blah, blah. But it was still the same guys in the main event one way or another in some stipulation or another for three months. And on one of the go-home shows for one of the last ones, Lawler's doing his promo. He said, and I heard somebody say, I'm tired of watching you kick the crap out of Bill Dundee. Well, I tell you what, I'm tired of kicking the crap out of Bill Dundee. So this week I'm going to finish him. So I'm tired of kicking the crap out of these modern wrestling programs, and we're going to start some classic wrestling territory talk starting this coming week on The Experience, where we go back and examine every single... Well, we're not going to do it all in one show. This is going to be a multi-part series. But we're going to examine the state of every territory in the country in 1985, what it was like to work there, what guys made, how often they worked, the whole nine yards, the inside scoop, and whether or not the Midnight Express and I would have wanted to go work there if we had not gone to World Class and then Crockett in 1985. Where else might we have gone and what would have happened? We're going to start doing that multi-part series. We're going to start coming up with some more classic wrestling questions from the audience. So if you want, folks, more classic wrestling talk, please... In the form of a question, and in English, if possible, 
ask it so we don't have to go back to Charlie from Starkville all the time. Uh, but we will, and we're going to talk about WWE again for the people who said, oh, goddamn, you don't talk about WWE the last two weeks. Well, Survivor Series is coming up. Let's see if they can do anything to move us. Or whether they might move uh, move our minds. I know they'll definitely move our bowels. And uh, we'll see. So we got a lot of stuff coming up in the next few weeks to keep me occupied so that I don't have to talk about so much of this modern falderall. And also, uh, we will give you updates next week on whether the cable guy made it out alive or not. Right? Everyone's bugging us on Twitter right now. You should send them something. Bugging us about what? Where's the show? Where's the show? Is it coming tonight? Why wasn't it here tomorrow? What should hold we say? Hold on. Where are they? Let me hold They're on. They're on Let me Twitter, get these well, bastards. Get these. Hold on. Let me move this microphone over. Hey. By the way, why does Justin Roberts announce Pack like that? He's a bastard. Well, that's uh, he's overly dramatic. Yeah. Oh, you're typing away. Listen to you. The longer you type, the more fear I get for what you're saying. Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I put in an extra E. Oh. Now I need a space. Right. And... Yep, that's the show. And this is still on the air, ladies and gentlemen. You're still okay. listening to this garbage. This goddamn Jim Cornette Jim ex- experience. I forgot <laughs> my last name. This goddamn Jim experience. This goddamn Jim Cornette experience is coming out soon. Either that or my computer is flying off the deck. Boom. There we go. So now the people are alerted that the experience is coming out soon. Are we ready to close this up? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, we will try to do our best to rectify all the problems that we've had and, and come out bigger and better than ever before. Thank you and fuck you and bye-bye, everybody. Wednesday nights I get to stay up late Which Kenny Omega while I masturbate Hey, Mom, I need to watch the show Meltzer says I'm in the key demo Meltzer says I'm in the key demo My mom's basement. I steal her Wi-Fi, not pay no rent. school. We've got indie stars drop back from wrestling school. A Trojan ally at the top of the car. He trained himself in his own backyard. And this is shit everyone should get. Well, everyone. Except Jim Cornette Wednesday nights I get to stay up late Which Kenny Omega while I masturbate Who needs women for hanging round in bars When you can watch the Bucks get seven stars When you can watch the Bucks turn seven stars Dynamite's the word Best ever tag team division haven't you heard? We've got Jericho, Orange Cassidy, and Michael Rio. Like Tony, I get fancy booking. 
Watch Kenny Omega while I masturbate Hey mom, don't come in Go away, I'm watching wrestling Go away, I'm watching wrestling oh, This is wrestling heaven Don't listen to Corgi, he hasn't been relevant since 87 He thinks that Luchasaurus can't work a lick or that Bobby Eaton could hold the camera to either Matt or him. He wants to cut up our heroes with a rusty fishing knife, or get them in the hot tub to play Spock the Submarine with him and his wife. And no, Mom, I'm not bitter. This has nothing to do with Jim blocking me on Twitter. And now, here comes Nero. Wearing pajamas like me, he's my hero. The young bucks could shoot on Buzz Sawyer Make Brock Lesnar take a Canadian destroyer Don't come in, Mom! Don't come in! Are you touching yourself yet? No. Did you the Wi-Fi password? Mom! No! Wednesday nights I get to stay up late Watch Kenny Omega while I masturbate Watch this show Elsa says I'm in the key demo 